Welcome to the Prep Hoop Circuit Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Reynolds, uh, coming to you for what won't be the last time, but close to it, as uh, we've got three podcasts to wrap up the season. This one here is for the hard work region, uh, so that uh, encompassed everybody who went to Minneapolis for the finals, and I've got Ryan James here with me to break everything down. Uh, RJ, it was a, a big tournament, obviously, to end the year. Lots of talent, uh, and the champions ended up being held uh, from all the way from the younger ages to 17U. What was just your biggest takeaway from Minneapolis? Uh, my biggest takeaway from Minneapolis was the level of competition, the amount of outstanding games. All our tri- title games were heavily contested. They were a lot of fun. Uh, they were fierce battles. You know, a little bit of controversy here and there, but that's what happens in, when you're playing in a, you know, when you're playing. Their competitive edge is even at a higher level. Um, but overall, it was a lot of fun. And, like, you know, there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of an odd theme with it because, obviously, you know, we can ignore it or talk about it, and that's that the, the college basketball academy was going on at the same time which ended up losing some good players like Max Morell and Matthew Morris and some others. But the, the thing that happened that was, like, that was kind of fun was that the Prep Loop Circus becomes something that kids want to be involved with. A lot of local, talented Minnesota kids jumped on teams. Like Dane Danger committed to Baylor, top 50 kid. He jumped on a Minnesota Heat team and led them to the Final Four. Stephen Kroll, top 150 kid, jumped on where else the net team and looked fabulous. And these are a couple of examples, and there, and there were several others, um, of kids just wanting to compete, wanting to be on a team, on a grassroots team, and jumping into a big tournament. And the tournament was a lot of fun. Uh, in the end, it was Wisconsin Rap was the best overall basketball team, and they took the 17s. At the 16th level, Chucky Hepburn was, has been the star, star all year, and he led his team to a championship. And at the 15th, Minnesota Fury, who lost one game at the 15U level all year, won on the double or maybe even triple overtime game winner. So it was a huge success. It was highly competitive. There was talent all over the place. There was a few complications because of the Minnesota Basketball Academy. But I think that those complications were overcome by, you know, talent taking its place and by such fantastic basketball. Tell me before we get into the championship games exactly, what was your takeaway from Friday night? How was the dunk contest and three-point contest perceived? I've seen dunk contests and three-point contests at the high school level in the past. And every one of them, everything's predicated about by the energy in the gym, the energy from the kids, energy from the parents, energy from the event people. And being our first one, we really didn't have like a, anything to judge it against, you know, like it was our first one, but like you could tell right away with so many people, you know, boxing in the, the, the contestants, there was, it was something different. And then once the three-point contest, I'll tell you the, the, the biggest ingredient that got a little overlooked 
was that the first three-point shooter, his name is Elijah Morris, he hit 11 threes in a row. And he's, he's from Perm, Minnesota, West Century United. And that got everybody, like, you know, from kind of sitting there wondering what's going to go on to, holy crap, there's some talent here. And then, you know, there were some good shooters. But then we had a three-point just battle between Josh Brown and Elijah Morris, and everybody was up for it. And once you get everyone to the feverish pitch, well, then the dunks take it over, and the dunks definitely took it over. It appeared that way for sure. Uh, now let's uh, start with the 17 bracket. You mentioned Wisconsin Rap wins it. Um, maybe I'm just, you know, obviously I'm out of the loop a little bit in that region, just having, I don't live anywhere close to there. Uh, that being said, I would have now predicted at the beginning of the year that Wisconsin Rap wins it, and it's a credit to them that they do win it because, like you said, they had the best overall team. Uh, what pushed them over the top in your mind? Well, what, what really stood out to me about them was, okay, team, half of it's from St. John's Military Prep in Wisconsin, and then another half, like, it's another group of Wisconsin kids to go with it. And, like, their team basketball is what sets them apart. I first noticed them, I mean, they've played in several of our events. Um, and I've, I've caught them at every one of the events at least once. And I saw them play at the Battle of the Lakes. They beat up a South Dakota. And I thought to myself, wow, that was just unfair because this was more like a, like a, I don't want to call it military style, but it was just a disciplined beatdown because Wisconsin rap, nobody on the team takes a bad shot. Nobody on the team forces anything. Nobody on the team, they're a collective defensive unit. And then as I watched them play, in, in the Chicago event, it was a late-night game on a Saturday night, and I, I first thought to myself, wow, this is one of the best teams in our, in our division. And then when they won the Chicago event and moving in over to the Twin Cities, I considered them to be one of the favorites, especially considering that the Minnesota Fury was without four guys at the Academy. South Dakota Tech was without their best two guys, and Team Factory was without their best two guys with because Academy. This team was one of my friends of that. And sure enough, they went in and they won. And, like, and we're talking about some special players here. I mean, Gerald Gittins. Now, Gerald, let's be real here. Gerald is fantastic, and he's going to be a Division One player. There might be a few things that to do to get to that level still, um, in terms of being like the all-around student-athlete part, but his game is there. I mean, he had 30 points in the championship game living at the foul line. And, like, at 30, that was 30 points on, what, 12 shots, I think? It was, it was 12 or 15, and he was the catalyst. But, like, Vernon Bowl, 6'5", 6'6", kid, scored 18 points. Steady all season long. Aiden Flynn, I'll bet that dude in the five rap games I watched this year, I'll bet Aiden Flynn shot 90%. He didn't take a bad shot all year. Everything was just moving without the ball. And then the biggest prospect in their team is a 2021 Brad Zimke. Um, I may have said that name wrong. I apologize. Um, but, but Brandon, like, he had 17 points and nine rebounds title game, 7 to 10 shooting. 
like these shooting percentages, every time I watched them play, were just they were just fantastic. And that's 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 the representation of what that team plays like. They don't take bad shots. They work together. And that is why they were our champions. And I firmly believe you will see Pazinski playing at the high major level. Eventually, you're going to see Gerald Gittins as a point guard for a Division One team. I think Vernon Bowles should be on a Division One roster at some point, if not a top Northern Sun team. And for all you listening that aren't sure what the Northern Sun is, it's a D2 conference. Up here in Minnesota, we don't have that many D1 programs in the upper Midwest. Like, there's one for every block over in the, in the northeast and the southeast. So a lot of our kids don't want to leave this area, so they go play in a D2 league, which would puck a lot of the low D1s out east, without a doubt. They get better crowds, they have better talent, and that's, that's why. And when I say Vernon Bowles is going to a D2, he might have a D2 offer a program that will whoop the crap out of some of these East Coast teams. You know, Tell me a little bit about the Minnesota Comets. I mean, they make a run all the way to the championship game where I, I know they lose, obviously, by 10, but they did make that run and obviously had a great weekend. The Minnesota are a team that, you know, they were a last-second fill-in because a team from Chicago couldn't make it. Um... They have played in, they had played in multiple prep hoops events before, but the latest, you know, their program has been in the prep hoops event. And this team, the Minnesota Comets team that played in the championship, they, they were in our, they won the, the prep hoops slash Minnesota State Tournament the first weekend in June. And then, so like them getting the championship is not a surprise. The surprise is their best players. Like, we just named the team. Noah King, second team All-State in Minnesota, not there. Matthew Willard, third team All-State Minnesota, again, not there. Cooper Olsen, not there. D2 upper kid. Tony Dahl, torn every ligament in his knee, not there. So they had five guys, the regular guys. They picked up a couple players, younger players, uh, and Henry Abraham as well who played for Howard Pulley's 16, um, he shot the ball, ball well for them. But their core group this year was 39-11. and 11. And they won so many games because of their toughness. But the superstar on that team is Eli King. Eli King is a 2022. He's ranked in the prep moves, top 150 for his, nationally for his, for his age. Top five player in Minnesota, Eli. They would spread. They would spread the floor. The comments spread the floor out, and just physically attack everybody with Eli, and nobody could stop him. And then Noah, Noah Pugh, um, four times a game for the Comets. With so many players gone, Noah averaged 13, 14 a game. Reed Gasner, the best Minnesota shooter. He's a D two offered player shot the lights out um you know and that's calvin fifth seven footer for anybody out there looking for a seven footer who's up and coming calvin Sith is a name to know yes he's still thin but we got to know this grew 10 inches in the last three years like they told me he couldn't even catch a ball he'd say i wanted to i just couldn't do it i wasn't ready for it in my new body is what he told me 
and that that kid had a nice tournament, and so did uh, Nick Peterson from Vanilla St. Margaret's, who is the team's heartbeat. They made a run all the way to the second, to the to the uh, semi, to the finals, beating a Minnesota Heat team that had Dane Danger. You know, this Heat West team was always good in the prep circuit. Picked up Dane Danger for this tournament, and if you pick up a player like that, you 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 know you're in a good spot. But they also added Rashawn Parker and DJ Miller earlier in the summer, and they had played four tournaments with the Heat West as well. So they had got better. And they beat Minnesota Fury with, you know, the partial Minnesota Fury team. So that was a good win for the Comets there as well. Good showing about that with, for them all in all. Minnesota Matrix was the team that fell in the semis to the eventual champions of Wisconsin Rap. I know they've got a big fellow that's pretty good and – Overall, had just a uh, good show, and you make it to the final four out of this group. It still is pretty darn impressive. Yes, the Matrix is a team. Um, they had a really good year. They were consistently good on on the uh, on the prep hoop circuit. The guy you're talking about is Jacob Janison. Jacob Sam Janison, in my opinion, is starting to work his way to being a high major player. Um, right now, his best offers are from Colorado State. In Northern Iowa, his footwork, touch, uh, effort, everything has taken three giant steps forward, and he was often a catalyst for the Matrix. They also have a guard named Will Cordes, who I would best describe as a big shot maker, big shot taker, you know, leads with his actions and not his words type of guy. The Matrix won 36 of 45 games this year. Um, and it was overall a very good showing for and on the prep hoop circuit as well. Good players like Tate Mahachek, you know, did really well for them. And Gabe Myron with Jan, and then with Janice and Cordes leading the way. Good showing by the, for the Matrix. We move on. Uh, we've talked to you a little bit about Minnesota Heat already. You brought them up a, a couple of times. They were the other Final Four team. Anyone else in the 17 year bracket that maybe didn't make the Final Four, but you wanted to make sure and highlight uh, their team for what they were able to do? You know, I, you know, it, with my my walk, with so many of our guys up there, EJ rushing, you know, covering his Iowa group. And myself, of course, covering Minnesota, and Scotty Burgess covering covering the, uh, the Illinois guys. I focus more on my area, um, so I have to mention a couple of those teams. The South Dakota attack, they didn't have Matthew Morris or Kobe Bush because of the, the basketball academy, but Akoya Koi continues to show that he's a scholarship player. He was outstanding this week. And Jack Hartwright, Jack Hartwright's brother, Matt, is a really talented player in the NSIC. Jack is starting to show that he's a talented player in the NSIC. As far as the Fury goes, that, that stayed back from the academy, they were excellent. Charlie Katana, that's a Division One player who had D1 interest in D1 schools calling that just decided that he, he committed to Minnesota Duluth, which is another Northern Sun team I'm talking about. I'm telling you, most of this league would beat the tar on a lot of teams, a lot of those smaller leagues out east. Like, he didn't want to go out east to those schools that were calling him here and there. He wanted to stay local to a team that Minnesota Duluth that wanted him badly. Charlie Katana is a first-team all-prep hoop circuit player 
in this region. And Charlie Katana is without a doubt a Division One talent. He will be ranked in our 2020s over at least five or six kids that have D1 offers because he's a D1 player. He led his team there. They also picked – they didn't have the Fury because of the camp and because Matt Nathan Heisey, who's a Northern Iowa commit, has been injured all summer. So they picked up Drake Dobbs, Liberty commit, who plays for D1 Minnesota, and Drake was fantastic. Um, Brady Williams, John Henry, both guys had tournaments. Brady and John Henry. John's got D1 offers. He's going to Kent State on a visit. Brady Williams is another D1 caliber kid in Minnesota who right now just maybe it's because he's in the upper Midwest. doesn't have a surplus of D1 op- options at the moment, but he should. He'll probably be a D2 kid and whoops and tail. Um, that's, that's kind of more our area. Also, I should throw in Minnesota Heat Bang. They lost their point guard, Kate Nelson, so they uh, they couldn't make the run that they were really capable of in this tournament. But Josh Brown, who has a Denver offer and is the three-point champion, he was really um, also up here. You know, Team Factory was up here. They got beat by the they're, – they're, they're a really good team, but they're missing their size. They just couldn't guard Dane Danger, and they lost to the Heat West. Um, they were another team up here that – that played really well. Just unfortunately, they ran into a Dane Danger buzzsaw. Uh, the Northern Lakers, a program from Minnesota who has a couple good kids in Peter Somis. Um, it's a Minnesota and Wisconsin-based team around Lake Superior. Um, that's what they call them, the Northern Lakers. John Sutherland, um, uh, Peter Somis, and then his cousin Isaac Somis from Wisconsin. They were they, they they had a good showing and the young and the reckless young and the reckless was down, was down here as well Isaiah Riviera, um, Marquise Mitchell those guys performed well they just ran in you know they ran into the Fury and you know that that was a quarterfinal matchup actually that was a Sweet 16 matchup that was probably Final Four caliber so there was a lot of good talent in that 17 U division for sure. Moving down to the 16U, we saw Team Factory. They were the champs. Uh, no surprise, they're the one seed for a reason. Chucky Hepburn's been unbelievable. He continued his great run as well as his team, and it's really just a spectacular showing. And every single event they were in, prep hoops wise, they dominated this circuit. You know, they did. The two teams at the 16 level who dominated the circuit were Minnesota Heat Tower and Team Factory. And when they faced up against each other, Team Factory won both games. Um, but I'm going to tell you, Chucky Hepburn, I guess the, the word, I, I've run out of ways to describe him, which is the other day I kind of called him a superhero, and the Team Factory guys got after me a little bit for that. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what do you want me to do? I, got, I run out of ways to describe the kid. Which, again, he scored 20 on 12 shots. He had 10 assists, making everybody around him better. Um, he was just unguardable. The Heat just could not guard Chucky. Nobody in the prep food circuit could guard Chucky. Nobody in the Under Armour Rise circuit could guard Chucky. One team factory played Under Armour teams. Nobody could guard Chucky. He just, at the moment, he's unguardable. But it wasn't just Chucky. That's the that's beautiful thing about it. Frankie Fiddler. Frankie Fiddler played a tune from the arc on everybody's head. 
Okay, 16 in the three in, in the championship game, including four threes. And Greg Brown, a, a wing also in double figures. Greg Brown was also tough for people to deal with as well. So, you know, it was a fantastic showing by Team Factory on the prep hoop circuit, you know, in the Under Armour Rise. Whoever they played was a great year for them. And obviously, we said this before, there's no on the prep food circuit that can match what Chucky Hepburn has done. Never lost a prep food circuit game. Chucky controlled every one of them. He was certainly really good. Now on that Minnesota Heat Tower team, uh, I know a guy that I really liked, Andrew Morgan, and they had uh, a couple big fellows down there. I mean, they, that's a talented group. Uh, I, and They clearly showed it. I know they didn't win it, but placing second all year long, I mean, that's a team going forward that if they can keep that team together, they're going to be tough. Well, the Minnesota Heat Tower team lost three games all year. I'm going to say that again. The Minnesota Heat Tower team lost three games all year. Like, and two of them were at Team Factory. You take out the one they had, they were, they got upset one time in, they, they had one bad game, I would say, all year that led to a loss. And, and that was against ECI, a really uh, the best team from North Dakota. So they played 43 games and won 40 of them. And two of those losses were for the team factory. Never lost a game against Team Minnesota. I uh, lost one game in the Sanford Pentagon Tournament Series, the number one team in Minnesota. Um, you know, everybody talks about Will Tichetter and Andrew Morgan, and rightfully so. You know, those, those, kids, those kids are... Un, as unstoppable as Chucky Hepburn was in the backcourt, Will Cheddar and Andrew Morgan were unstoppable up front. That's why they won 40 games. But there's more to that team than that. Ryan Dufault, the point guard, like, I'm a, I've been talking up Chucky, but at the same time, Chucky Hepburn and his could not stop Ryan Dufault. Could stop him at the arc, couldn't stop him from distributing, couldn't stop him from getting to the basket. That's why the game was close. Ryan Dufault, he's tough as nails. One of the tougher dudes you'll see all year. He had 18 points in that championship game. Little story, they played a team from Michigan. The other team's coach just decided he was going to talk trash to the, to the players. The intensity in that game was hot. And the other coach just thought, you know what, I'm going to pick on this guy and see if I can get into his head. Not exactly the right conduct for an adult coach or adult period but he did it and ryan handled it beautifully didn't say a thing just let his team to the win let his team to the championship um also trey longstreet trey longstreet just got an iowa state football offer how of a basketball player too takes whatever role he's given and runs with it if 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 you watch each of their games and you charted 10 things these kids did right and scored what those kids did. Ball handling, passing, defense, off-ball defense, health defense, rebounding, shooting, attacking. Trey Longstreet would grade high on every one of those categories, and he would grade out as, like, if, if this was a uh, pro football-focused grading thing for the Heat, Trey Longstreet would grade out as their best player all around. Um, he, he, he was scoring double figures, grab plus rebounds, handle the ball, did everything, so he deserves mention. Jack Power, with his basic level 
defending ability, those ASIC shoes that just move all over the court and stop people. He defended Dane Danger last weekend. He defends that everybody does what he can. Uh, he's a big for the Heat. Carter, Carter, Carter Werke, I believe is his last name. Kid from Tatino Grace, who plays for Nick Carroll. Everybody knows Nick Carroll. They're probably Poop Circuit, of course. One of his players plays his butt off defensively and represents what you want as a guy coming off the bench as a role player. He played well, but Andrew Morgan and Will Cheddar. Andrew Morgan, if there's a better rebounder in the Midwest, I need to find him. Ain't nobody matching Andrew Morgan, at least in his grade level. And Will Cheddar, one of the most high-energy physical scorers you will find. Andrew Morgan and Will Cheddar have mid-major offers. When we have this conversation next spring, they will have high major offers. That's the type of players they are. Let's stay in this 16U bracket. Uh, one of the teams I wanted to make sure and highlight, the ABC Young Lions. They make a run all the way to the Final Four, and I mean, it shouldn't be a huge surprise as they were the sixth seed entering this tournament, uh, but still a really good run for a group out of Wisconsin that, you know, I saw them uh, once uh, up north in one of the tournaments this spring, and just they can just seem to me to be consistent, and that's uh, what looked to get them on this deep run to the Final Four. You know, it was it's the ABC Young Lions. That's who you said, right? Yes. You know, I got to look at them. It's a team that didn't flash you. They just wore on you. And they wore on you, and they pushed you away. They're a team that won 10 of 12 games, earning a good spot, and then they proved their spot by making a run. Now, they, they didn't quite have the size to deal with. With the Heat, they didn't have. They don't have a guy quite to move with, with the guards of Team Factory, so like they got wore down in that regard against the elite level team. But they beat everybody else on the circuit. And last but not least, also making the Final Four was YNR as a program. YNR just had a good weekend. This was the YNR Brim team that ended up falling to the eventual champions, Team Factory, in the Final Four. You know, Young and the Restless is a program that. It continues to grow. I remember for the first time. I remember the first time seeing them in an NY2LA event and thinking to myself, "Wow, you know, they've got these kids out here competing and they're talented." And year by year by year, they continue to make advancements with their program. I know that they also paired with Kayvon Looney Elite, so it's kind of like Young and Riceless slash Kayvon Looney Elite. Then they did a nice job on the on the Adidas circuit. They've also been a part of the prep circuit, and they've shown very well talent-wise in our events. And, you know, and, and, and when you see, they're one of the teams that you see, oh, they're listed on the 17th, they're making a run. Oh, they're listed in the 16th, they're making a run. Listed in the 15th, making a run. That's, that's when you know a program is growing. And that's what you can see from the Young and Restless. A few more shout-outs from that 16U bracket. Illinois Jaguars had a nice run before falling two-team factory. South Dakota attack, uh, same can be said as they make an Elite Eight run before falling to YNR. Uh, Minnesota Magic Hanna squad put up a good fight as a 26 seed. You make it all the way to the Elite Eight, that's going to get you some love uh, right here. And then last but not least, the uh, Southwest Illinois Jets Orange squad, they made an Elite Eight run. Uh, all those teams were not predicted to get as far as they got, but they did. So uh, kudos to them. 
Now let's move down to the 15U bracket, our last bracket no. to discuss. Go ahead, RJ. No. I was just going to say, like, I got I got a chance to watch the South Dakota Attack 16. And, like, there's a kid on that, on that team named Paul Bruns. 26 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists a game last year. One of the best teams in South Dakota. Like, this guy does everything. That's why Augustana, who who is making the transition to D1 out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that's why they're after them. And real quick on the Magic, a hell of a year by the Magic. Top five team in Minnesota. Some guys in that team, like the big big fellow, Andrew Nurud from New Craig, the East New Kids, Great Stolberger, Zach Spann, Harry Shannon the third. Like, these kids put together a 33-8 and eight season for the Magic I, almost out of nowhere. It was such an impressive run by those kids. And Zach Spann was your dunk contest winner. So, yeah, good, good showing by the Magic. No doubt about that. Now, the 15U bracket ended up uh, dwindling down to the final two for the championship with Minnesota Fury coming out on top. We talked about they, as a program, obviously one that's really respected, and their 17U team, unfortunately, was missing some guys, so they didn't really get a chance to make that run there. But they make the run here, and they beat Wisconsin Playground uh, Warriors Club. That is a very good squad, 45-42 in the finals. In a three-point just dogfight game, uh, take me through that game. I'm assuming that was one of the fun ones to watch throughout the weekend. You know, it was that game was such a dogfight that I don't think, if I remember correctly, it was a triple overtime game, won 44 to 42. Like, let me say that again: a triple overtime game that finished 44 to 42. And it's the beautiful thing about the theory. That you know, they finished. They played fifty games this year. Fifty. They won forty-seven of them. The two of those losses were to sixteen and under teams. So technically, this is a team that went forty-five and one against fifteen and under teams. You want an example of a? What would they do on a shoe circuit? I'll give you Minnesota Fury. They were six and zero this year against fifteen and under. Teams. Now people say, well, what about was it against the Nike team, an Under Armour team, Adidas team? They, the Minnesota Fury beat one EYBL team, three Under Armour teams, and two Adidas teams. Like they handled their business. Their forty-five and one record at the fifteen U level, one hundred percent legit. They did it on the circuit. They did it in clutch situations. They did it against shoe teams. They did it across the board. And by the way, they won this tournament without their best player. Kate McGraw from Shakopee, widely considered their most control their most controlled, consistent player at a walking booth. And Maddox Alapate, some people in the Midwest will know that name. His older brother Moses was a four star quarterback recruit. His brother Marcus was a D1 offered kid who, who led St. Thomas University to a national championship at the D3 level. Maddox is the next brother coming up, and he was the tournament MVP because he stepped into a role, handled that PG role the entire time, and was fantastic. And then Makai Collins, Mankato West, kid from Minnesota, hit the game winner, also had an outstanding weekend. 
Uh, I guess the, to sum this up, it was a fantastic year by Ben Wild's team. They earned the number one spot in Minnesota. They earned the top spot in the fifteen. And I'll tell you what, I put them up against just about anybody. They are that good this year. And, you know, something to really point out, Wisconsin Playground Warriors had two really good teams in this. They beat them both. Beat one in the Final Four, the one seed yep. they beat in the Final Four, and then came back and beat the other yep. team in the finals. Without a doubt. I mean, they they knocked off the Omaha Crusaders as well this year and beat a team. They went down to the best of the South and beat the Nike team and beat, I think, I don't remember if the other, that was where the other Under Armour team or that was the other Adidas team was, but they beat a couple of two teams down there. And over two teams this year, Minnesota Fury handled their business. And they did it without their best player. Just, you know, it's a hard work final. That makes it even more impressive. Now, uh, how about Team Flight out of Ohio? I mean, they make it all the way to the Final Four. Uh, it, it just had an overall consistent great year. They were the seventh seed entering this tournament, and they, they fall to Wisconsin Playground Warriors, who advances to the championship. But you, you can't just look past the success that they've had overall throughout this year and on this run to the Final Four. You know, it's Team Flight's a team that I didn't get a chance to see, but it's the team that I consistently hear about. It's a program I consistently hear about. Um, and the Prep Hoop Circuit, you know, they came on the circuit, they've won a ton of games, represented themselves well, and it's a team that you have to look forward to and, you know, look to watch for the future because they've earned that respect for what they did this spring and summer. And last couple shout-outs I have for the 15E bracket before we start talking uh, just players overall who performed really well with the prep hoop circuit this season in the hard work region is uh, I've, I've got to give a lot of love to JH1 Elites program. They have a team out of Ohio. They have a team that was in this out of Wisconsin. And the Wisconsin squad was the third overall seat. They lose to Wisconsin Playground Warriors Black, which ends up making the championship game. They only lost by three, though. So they played them really, really close. And then... On the other side in the Elite Eight, the other JH1 Elite squad out of Ohio, uh, they play the Team Flight Ohio team down to the wire as well in a uh, single-digit close contest. So those the, that group as a whole, JH1 Elite, they've got a good program that they're building over there. And I think a lot of positives. As you mentioned, you know these, these are 15U kids, so these are kids we're going to see for two more years. And you know, things change. Teams are going to change a little bit. But the overall core typically stays the same, and there's a lot to be excited about uh, just this entire 15E bracket, how it ended up, and the cores that are returning, especially on uh, some of those top squads, the Fury, JH1 Elite, uh, Team Flight Ohio, Wisconsin Playground Warriors, and so on. So should be a fun couple of years watching these guys go through the ranks. Without a doubt, and I'm going to add in the 14. The 14 DTA, who played a lot of fifth, up a lot of 15s this year, they have two kids that played in the championship game of the 14 and under, Kaysan Chapman, J.J. Ware, both of these kids, uber-talented wings that are going to be playing, if they continue to make the progressions that you'd expect them to, both Kaysan Chapman and J.J. Ware are players we're going to be talking about for top AAU teams, top grassroots teams, top high school teams, and in national and local rankings, highly getting forward. Now let's get to some players uh, overall that just performed really, really well throughout this uh, season. And I, I want to start with a couple guys that they weren't there this last weekend, which was was unfortunate. But at the same time, we understand, you know, hey, 
people have different things going on in life. That's the way it goes. There was an NCAA camp. Uh, but I do want to touch on uh, two guys first, and that's Max Morell, who he, he blew up this year, RJ. I mean, he blew through the roof uh, after our first event. I mean, I, I remember the Omaha event out there. We're talking, you and I, and then I also talked to TJ, and I also talked to uh, Scott Burgess a little bit, and literally everybody kept saying this kid's name, and I thought, okay, he's he's set for a good spring, but man, he was set for a great spring and a great summer and really proved uh, to, to be a high major player. I, I have this, when you said his name, I had this song in my head, and I don't sing it well, and I don't listen to it much, but it, was, it kind of goes started from the bottom now we're here well most of the people that pretend they started at the bottom and, and, and did something and they got somewhere in basketball they really didn't start at the bottom and they really didn't get all the way to the top max morell started at the bottom this dude had one offer at easter missouri kansas city missouri kansas city was the first one to see the light and oh my goodness this dude has stepped into the damn line we're talking like the Blue Bloods are calling this kid and wondering about him. North Carolina, Kansas, these schools are talking about him, wondering if they're going to offer. He has went from being a Missouri, Kansas City, what are they, Jackrabbits down there? I don't know what they're, is it the UMKC Jack? I have no clue. No clue. I'm sorry. No clue. But he's went from being a UMKC kid to getting recruited by Bill Self and Roy Williams. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen a rise like that in my time. In three months, you were, you went from talking to mostly small college programs, and now you're talking to Roy Williams and Bill Self. This is the Neon Badeau story from the Blue Chip movie. Now, that might be dating myself, sadly. I can't. You know what? If you haven't seen Blue Chips, go watch the damn movie. You should watch it. I don't care what year it says on it. Like that, he's Neon Badeau right now. Uh, Neon Badeau is played by Shaq, by the way. Like, from nowhere to the top. Now, and, and we'll down some of the offers real quick. <clears throat> Creighton, Iowa, Kansas State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Stanford, TCU, Virginia Tech. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, this kid has pushed himself into the upper elite category. And... And, and this, why does that happen? Because he's a he's a, a six nine athletic big man who can face up and, and shoot jumpers, face up and attack you, dunk in your face physically. Max Morell, man, he's legit. He is, and hey, we can say that uh, our writers, I I didn't see any other writers in the country covering him at, at very early April. We were. Uh, that's because he was in our event, and it was pretty easy to see. I mean, he he put on a show, so that's what. The prep hoop circuit is all about finding guys that are diamonds in the rough. And, well, he's not in the rough anymore, like you said. He's uh, now in blue blood heaven, getting recruited by the best of the best. So really cool to see what Max Morrell has turned out to be and wish him the best of luck going forward. It's going to be fun watching his career collegiately. And, shoot, he's got a chance to even go on further than that with the uh, potential and the skill set and the size he has. Uh, so Team Factory did a great job with him all year long. Now, the next young man I want to move on to is Matthew Moores. And this is a kid that he came in with some clout. I mean, he came in as a guy that we knew, okay, this kid's good. 
Uh, I got to see him in Madison for the very, for the very first time. And, you know, Wisconsin coaches are there, Creighton coaches. He had a bunch of guys that – and I'm not – I'm not talking assistant coaches. I mean, the head coaches for these, uh, you know, big-time basketball programs were there in person at an event that was not an EYBL, was not a shoe circuit event. And, the you know, a large part of why those head coaches were there, uh, along with a few assistants, was Matthew Morris. There were several other prospects there that were really good, but he was the leading candidate, the leading role that weekend, and really shined well. And it continued all throughout the spring and the summer. This is a kid that's got a lot of potential. He surprises you with his sneaky athleticism. He's got good size, can shoot it, and he hustles. He plays defense, too. I, I like his game a lot. Matthew Morris, I've known about the kid forever because he was averaging 18 points a game as a seventh grader in the Sioux Falls and for the big schools in that, in that area. You know, Matthew Morris loves the challenge. Like, when they played in the Minnesota Basketball Coaches Association deal, up here in Minnesota, like, that was a well-tended event by colleges. Like, what I mean by well-tended event, everybody from, again, Roy Williams and the Kansas staff, Archie Miller in Indiana, was packed with college coaches. You know, all the locals as well, Minnesota, Iowa, Iowa State, Creighton, like, they were, Doug McDermott was there. Um, Greg McDermott, I apologize. I do that all the time. Good Lord. Uh, Wisconsin was there. And Matthew Moore's wanting to play against the elite. When they played Dawson Garcia's team, he said, I want to guard Dawson Garcia. And Matthew Moore's got the better of Dawson Garcia that day. Now, head-to-head, Dawson Garcia with Matthew Moore's, I'm still taking Dawson Garcia. But the, the one time against each other that they played, Matthew Moore's got the better of Dawson Garcia. And that says that tells you everything you need to know about Matthew Morris. Now he he definitely brought it. Uh, now moving on to some other names, and for those out there that are wondering what the heck are we doing right now, we're just highlighting some great names that really had awesome years in the hard work region on the prep hoop circuit. And there's a lot of them. Uh, one of the names you mentioned earlier for Minnesota Fury was Charlie Katona, and Charlie was just awesome. Awesome, awesome when I watch him. I mean, he's consistent. And he, he's got the size. He can shoot it. He And he does a lot of valuable, intangible things on the court. I mean, this is a kid. You said he, it sounds like he's going to go to one of those great D2s up north, uh, but he is definitely a Division One talent. Yes. I mean, he played in the best of the South tournament and outplayed guys from, uh, let's see, it was, it was Team Parsons on the Adidas circuit, and there was another team they played offhand. I don't remember. But, like, the people – in the South were glowing about him. I think Justin Young, who's a nationally respected writer, said, I expect Carly Katana to have 10 D1 offers by this time next month. You know, Charlie just wants to have a great relationship with the coaches, and no coaches really did that, besides the local ones here. And Charlie, then Charlie committed to Duluth, although there were others calling. Well, Charlie's the type of player that goes right into your face. Like, he's athletic, determined, and goes at the rim. And he went at the rim constantly against everybody he faced all year long. And that is why Charlie is going to be a first-team prep hoop circuit, all, you know, all first-team player in the hard work region. And that's why one of the big reasons his team is so good. Now, that team had great balance. Jacob Hudson, you know, he's, he, Jacob Hudson is about to hit his 20th D1 offer as a 6'9 post from the theory. Like, he, he showed his skills on that team as well. John Henry, 
multiple D1 offered kid on that team. You know, Nathan Heisey committed into Northern Iowa, also on that team. So Charlie Katana is the main the main producer of a very balanced team. Moving on, Jaden Johnson of Fundamental U. He had a big year along with his teammates, uh, Connor, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but I'll, I'll try. Uh, Coach Ruck, but Fundamental U, those two were certainly two to watch. You know, Fundamental U played when they in the event in the battle at the lake tournament. They played in the championship game and lost to D1 Minnesota. That was a tournament that had a lot of stacked teams, and but it was Fundamental U who kind of lived up to their name, playing good fundamental team basketball, and earned their way to that championship game. And they earned their way to the championship game against uh, in Chicago as well. Both those tournaments, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin. And uh, I guess you call it, you know, Wisconsin great Wisconsin playground basketball club. Um, so, and it was Jaden Johnson point stroke. I think in both of those games, that 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 was that was like a key factor. And you mentioned Connor as well. Jaden and Connor were the two biggest pieces for that team. They're, and both of them are going to be honored in our hard re- hard work region, um, all hard work region team when that comes out later this week. They had, they were, they probably weren't picked to be in those championship games, but they earned their way into those championship games by by being tough and tough basketball. RJ, one of the players that I was able to see quite a bit was Pee Wee Brown. He had a big weekend leading his team to the championship in Indy. Uh, turned around, I saw him in St. Louis and a couple other stops throughout the year. Just a competitor, a kid that brings a lot of fire and energy to the court. He's not, you know, the biggest kid, the strongest kid, yet he gets the job done. And uh, there's a reason why his team, Peoria Area Elite, was one of the surprises of the circuit. And uh, he's a big part of that. Pee Wee Brown's teams win. His high school team played in the state championship game. His Peoria Area Elite team was playing in in prep hoop circuit championship games. He's a 6'2 guard that is attacking everything. He's tough to stay in front of but he's also become a better jump shooter. Um, this is a guy who averaged 18 points and nine rebounds a game in Illinois for one of the best teams in the country, and he brought that ability to the prep super circuit and was twice named an all-circuit or all-session team player. Um, Pee Wee Brown earned everybody's respect, and he's flat-out a winner. The team's just simply win. So if you're college and you look for players that help your team win, you know, you know that's what you should look for. Johnny Davis is another name to know with uh, Wisconsin Playground Warriors. He had a good year overall. Johnny Davis is one of the hardest working players you're going to see. This kid's motor, like, is maxed out. He's, he, he's like, face-to-face, he will outwork people. He, you know, there might be guys who are able to, willing to move with him for the first 10 possessions, but after that, he's got me. He's explosive. He's aggressive, um, and he's going to be a hell of a player at Wisconsin. And for play, he was the best player on a good playground team that also had Mason Madsen and Gabe Madsen, both high major that offered basketball players. But Johnny Davis was the catalyst of that team, probably the most consistently productive player on that team. And last but not least, I want to talk about. Uh, well, they're the champs for the reasons, and uh, one of the big reasons was 
Gerald Gittens and what he did for Wisconsin rap. He just had a really, really great year um, leading his team all the way to the championship and multiple big events, but none bigger than the hard work finals. Gerald Giddens was good all year. Jared Giddens in the championship game, scoring 30 points on 10 of 15 shooting and 10 of 12 re- it's free throw shooting, was purely unstoppable. Like, that is the definition of unstoppable. If you are to put a basketball performance under the title, under the title unstoppable, that is what he was in that tournament. RJ, uh, what was the wrap-up here? Just closing thoughts. Any players that I left out that you wanted to make sure and mention or teams uh, of any ages, go for it. You know, we've been talking now for well over 45 minutes. I think we've I've hit on just about everybody from this region. Now, I would say, you know, Deontay Blanche from Team Space. Team Space was all over the place. They weren't a hard work region team. We, they came up here and played in the Chicago. Chicago event, you have to respect the fact that they were good in that event, you know, as well. Um, you know, there's some other guys from, I think we got just about everybody that needs to be talked about from Minnesota. Agua Wish for Heat West. He had a good year. Marcus Heat from HIT. That's another player that I think had a standout season. But for the most part, everybody that was in several events that played at a high level, I believe cover um you know there's some teams that didn't play in several prep hoops events that did that were on our circuit in in all events and you know like like he won minnesota with the dawson garcia ben carlson uh crew and walton teams like that that really that stood out and played well um but, but for the most part the prep hoop circuit it, it, it's such a it's such a good example of what Prep Hoops is because Prep Hoops has came so far so fast. Like the Prep Hoops circuit this year. Matt, compare this year to last year. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? What percentage growth would you say from 2018? 700%? 1,000%? It, it was high. It was it, it was good. It's it's kind of fun to see, and obviously that region, the hard work regions where prep hoops originated. When Nick started the uh, the events, uh, Battle of the Lakes has grown to be massive. But uh, yeah, no, it was really cool just to see this region specifically. What I thought was so cool is you see that battle is always that big event, and it's always going to be massive and awesome. But now you're starting to see some other events that are getting bigger. And what's great about when these events get bigger. The competition just gets better. The finals eight is just unbelievable. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to be there in Minneapolis. I was in Wichita, and we'll have that podcast later on in the week. But I, I can tell you just from looking at it, the Elite Eight everywhere I looked was unbelievable because when you got to that point, no matter who was messing off the teams, throw all that, that out, throw all the injuries out, and throw in the guys that are, you know, hey, I want to go play somewhere, so I'm, and I'm a top 50 player in the country, and I'm just going to go jump on this team. You know, what? throw all that in there. All those factors, the Elite Eight was awesome, and it was a rarity to see. And, and in our events in the past, I think you have to get typically to the Final Four before you get those, you know, overtime-type games that are between two teams that really have a chance to win it all. 
And I think that's what you saw this year in each event, not just the finals, but you move on through the ranks. Every single championship you really had to earn uh, from the very first one in Omaha where we saw some really good championship games. That's where Team Factory came to to light uh, with Max Morell and, and Chucky Hepburn for the 16U squad. And they had a good, obviously, weekend for their 16s and 17s. But so many teams, I think, on this circuit, I just uh, it's fun to see them come up through the ranks and for some non-sponsored teams to get a crack at it, to be the top dogs. And well, some of them obviously took that by the horns and uh, were able to do that. Wisconsin rap is one of those great examples of that. I mean, it, I, I stand by, like, I just, I wouldn't have predicted they win the whole circuit. I would have predicted that they'd have been one of the top teams, but they, we gave them a shot to go out there and do it. And you got to give credit to all those teams, RJ, that, uh, you know, were able to do it. And we're obviously pretty, really, really thankful for, the success this year and looking forward to build on it next year. So uh, it, some big things coming down the road. Yeah, it's, again, it's just like prep hoops. You know, the company is not that big. The prep hoops circuit, or the company is not that old, I should say. Prep hoops circuit, the prep hoops company is not that old. And prep hoops circuit, it's just in its baby years. But this year, like everything about it, the outstanding media coverage, the well-run events, the talent, the team, the strength, structure, the everything about it, it proved to be America's number one independent circuit. And the crazy thing about that is it's just getting started. It's just taking its first steps. Like two years ago, there was, it wasn't even such a thing. This isn't a 12-year process that's finally starting to peak. Like this thing is just getting rolling. The future is huge. Its future is something and that a lot of people should be should start to, you know, get 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 be a part of. I mean, what other circuit covers the event, respects the event, gives teams the chance like one does. Not none of them do. Like who's had a podcast? Nobody, nobody but us. Who's out here writing the content that we do? Nobody. Who's like you can throw the shoe circuits in there too. They ain't get. They don't get this. The only the only people the only thing that has anything close to like the standings and the the coverage and the is the EYBL. That's it. Like, and I'll tell you what, that's been going. They've been working on their their thing for how many years? Since the early nineties. Who's got rolling and a, a two person meeting in two thousand twelve? You know what I'm saying? Like the prep circuit got rolling like two years ago. So the future is bright, and people should get on board because it's been so much fun already. And it's only going to get bigger and better. RJ, you're a great part of it, and all of our writers. I want to give a big uh, gratitude of love to our writers. I know that uh, you know sometimes that goes, I think, overlooked even by even by maybe some of the teams. I mean, uh, if you're a team out there, hey, I always say give some love to the guys that covered you. Uh, just from the standpoint, they work their butts off, and they're. A large part, yes, we run organized great events. That's the key. That's one of the keys. But I think the biggest thing, like you said, that sets us apart uh, from this year and going forward into our second year next year of the Prep Hoop Circuit is the fact that we have guys that they don't just do this for two or three months out of the year to cover our circuit. It's not just like they're only circuit people. I mean, you're covering basketball all year long. But at the same time, because you're covering basketball all year long, you have a greater knowledge base and then you're able to even grow that uh, more throughout the prep hoop circuit. 
and I know you traveled, obviously, to Los Angeles, to Phoenix. You, we went to several different regions, several different spots, and that's what it's about, getting the coverage to the kids yeah, that deserve it. That was in Chicago, Omaha, Minneapolis, Madison, uh, Phoenix, and Los Angeles, you know, for this thing. And it, it, it's just so much fun. Like, the facilities we used, that were there, that we got to use, the Mamba Sports Academy, the, the Powerhouse Hoops facility in Arizona, you know, Wisconsin Academy's building, the different buildings in Chicago, like gigantic White Zeta High School in Minnesota. I love the IOS Fieldhouse. I mean, that is, all these the facilities that are just being used are fantastic. No doubt about it. Well, RJ, uh, big thank you to you again for joining me and for just being awesome all year long in the Prep Hoop Circuit. We're going to wrap up this one, folks. Uh, hey, comment, like, share, uh, get the podcast out there. This will be the last podcast for the hard work region. We've got two more coming this week for the grind region, which finished in Wichita, and for the hustle region, which finished in Irvine, California. Those will be out before the end of the week. Uh, I, I won't tell you which one, but there will be one out tomorrow and one out Friday. So check all of those out. RJ, thanks again for the time. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. And to everybody out there, thank you for, for helping Pre- Prep Loops become what it is. Uh, we appreciate everybody that played in tournaments, everybody that took the time to compete in those events, everyone that's reading what we do at Prep Loops. Um, keep, you know, keep kicking ass, and we'll keep kicking ass from here. All right. That was Ryan James. I am your host, Matt Reynolds. And for the last time for the Hardwork region, we say goodbye.